Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of the interesting things about the aquarium hobby is the rather opinionated positions that we often take about subjects which are near and dear to us. And sometimes people can get a bit, I don't know, touchy when it comes to their particular area of interest and they start placing standards on stuff. It, it gets weird. And every once in a while, I'll get in these discussions with other hobbyists about various, you know, minutiae of the aquarium hobby, particularly about areas that I'm fascinated by, of course, like, oh, I don't know, botanical style blackwater aquariums, for example. I'm fascinated about how the perception of our little sector has evolved significantly in recent years. A couple of friends and I had one of those chats recently, and somebody remarked about the term black, you know, that the term blackwater is being used quite a bit nowadays, thrown about a bit casually, actually which I can't help but, you know, just feel a little bit tiny, tiny bit of proud of. I mean, we started the tannin thing about five years ago, and when we did, Blackwater Aquariums were a thing, in that people were playing with them long before we came along, of course, yet it was a thing that tended to be viewed by the greater hobby as more of a sideshow of sorts, something that you would play with that would invite, you know, hushed whispers and concerned comments, even pity from fellow hobbyists when you shared your tank with them. I think that we played a small role in bringing blackwater aquariums and botanicals out of the shadows and encouraging more experimentation with them. That aura of mystery and danger that surrounded these types of tanks seems to have abated. And most of the credit goes to you for giving this stuff a try, despite the bad press it received for so long in the hobby. Of course, the term blackwater in the aquarium context is becoming more and more commonplace as aquariums featuring these types of conditions are falling more and more into the mainstream of the hobby. Just kind of an approach you take at this point. However, as I mentioned above, in the aquarium hobby, people do love to sort of take possession of various ideas, techniques, etc., and make, you know, a sort of a land grab for mind share in, in a sense. Suffice it to say, the concept of blackwater aquariums is subject to just as much analysis, classification, and discussion as any other aquarium movement or idea. And I've always been a bit leery of hobbyists uh, appropriating for hobby use what have been largely scientific names and descriptors of things. I mean, not always, but some stuff becomes a bit problematic. Now, don't get me wrong. It's important for us to elevate our work, to hold ourselves to higher standards, and just sort of push the state of the art of the hobby and educate our community. Yet occasionally it goes too far. We sometimes dig into a position based as much on third-party information, arrogance, or emotion uh, as we do on facts gleaned from uh, actual experience or firsthand knowledge. And some people could become real jerks about it. And the danger of regurgitation, as I've talked about before here, is a very real hobby sort of thing. In the reef aquarium world where I came from, you learn to be less than cavalier about tossing stuff about if you don't have the goods to back up your assertions, as you'll typically be challenged by those who do, and the results aren't pretty, trust me. For some reason in the reef side of the hobby, in addition to pure hobbyists, you have a lot of scientists who also happen to be reef hobbyists, and many take great pains to compel us as a community, you know, to instill accuracy in the things that we all do, while still understanding that it is supposed to be hobby. These are really great and bright, super cool people. 
Still, some others are incredibly offended by non-scientists like us uh, even using scientific terms or concepts to describe stuff, and they'll just level you in forum discussions if you assert an opinion that's contradictory to what they know from their work. You know, these concessions can get ugly, too. You know, stuff like, you know, vanadium is only found in seawater in concentrations of 0.00003 parts per million. And that can only mean, yeah, it's hardcore like that. It's weird and shit can get ugly real fast. However, it instills in you as a hobbyist not to casually toss around scientific terms and ideas if you don't have a real good handle on them. Not to proffer this stuff with an air of arrogance, which is kind of good because it does help limit at least some of that BS that gets tossed around out there and it elevates the hobby, holds us to higher standards. Now, there's always a place for hobbyists sharing opinions, experiences, relating finds in scientific literature, and even offering theories about various topics. As everyday field researchers, if you will, we can offer a lot. And in our world, things are perhaps a bit more open for discussion because a term like Blackwater or Blackwater Aquarium doesn't really have a real official descriptor, at least in hobby parlance. I mean, really. So when I see us talking about Blackwater, I feel that occasional pang of, I don't know, reefer's remorse if I think it starts going too far. I get that familiar feeling. Sometimes you need to look at the facts on hand uh, to really get a handle on this stuff, especially if you're going to dig in and take some strong position and defend it vehemently. The reality is that the term Blackwater, as defined in science literature, reference literature that is, is rather vague and somewhat broad definition. To strictly rely on what you read in one study or a single book or somebody's opinion is a bit incomplete. In fact, you could argue that it's not really a scientific term at all, merely a catch-all term to describe a set of characteristics of an aquatic ecosystem. In fact, about the most cohesive set of characteristic descriptors I can find anywhere indicates that Blackwater is typically acidic water with low ionic concentrations of sodium, magnesium, potassium, and calcium. It has low conductivity and relatively low concentrations of dissolved solids. That's pretty accurate in my opinion. Typically, blackwater occurs, as we all know by now, with when vegetation or other terrestrial materials accumulate in rivers and streams, then decompose and leach tannins into the water. It makes a transparent acidic water that's darkly stained, sort of resembling teas. There are other factors like soil and geological factors which contribute to blackwater aquatic uh, you know, systems as well, of course. But that's pretty much spot on. And that pH-based descriptor, which hobbyists seem to love to float around as a qualifier, isn't all that narrow either. In fact, it's all over the place. Natural aquatic ecosystems that are characterized as blackwater can vary in pH from as low as 2.9 to as high as 6.5 or even higher. It's all over the map. I mean... A peat bog, you know, in Asia, most definitely a blackwater ecosystem, might have a pH of around 3.5, whereas a blackwater river, such as our beloved Rio Negro, might have a pH of around 5.1. And a small jungle tributary might have pH somewhere in between, like 4.7 or so, or even lower. So yeah, it's all over. Now, where does this all go? I I recently saw a discussion in a European Facebook group in which uh, a hobbyist was describing his blackwater aquarium as... You know, it had darkly tinted water, no real mineral mineral content, and the pH, I think, was around 6.2. And the guy was just getting slammed by some wise-ass who claimed that these were not black water conditions. I mean, just slapped around like you wouldn't believe. And I was like, what the fuck? Here we go. And I just sat on the sidelines, which was probably not the best thing, but I monitored, you know, sort of the inevitable argument that ensued. And I probably should have spoken up, said something, but I thought, you know... 
On the other hand, I would have gotten pulled into this real ugly situation. It wouldn't have changed much. And, and then they would have traced me back to my company and so forth. And it would just been one of those things where it just becomes a big waste of time for me. And I say waste of time because trying to change the mind of a jerk and the guy who was attacking was a real jerk is sometimes not, it's a futile, you know, futile thing. And this guy offered a little bit of attitude, arrogance, and a lot of loud bluster to back up his position, which was really not too strong to begin with. And the reality is, as we mentioned above, based on the set of characteristics and factors used to describe Blackwater habitats that we just ferreted out, the hobbyist was being assaulted for having to tank parameters, which definitely fell within the generally accepted ones that are applicable to Blackwater ecosystems. I mean, if we try to apply a specific pH or TDS level to the definition of Blackwater ecosystem, we'd be woefully inaccurate or incomplete at the very least. There's simply too broad a range to do this. So what's the takeaway on all this from this situation? Blackwater seems to have a broad set of descriptive characteristics that are more of a range as opposed to a specific factor or factors. And it's irresponsible to try to narrow down this description too much. And from a hobby culture standpoint, we need to have a good understanding of what we talk about and be open-minded enough to accept the positions and information provided by others and process that. And we need to ditch the pretentiousness. No one owns the damn title of expert on Blackwater Aquarium characteristics or, or whatever. Sure, some people might understand more about a specific topic than others do. But your obligation at that point is to share, to encourage and mentor others, not to be a loudmouth bully. Full stop. That's it. And I think the importance of a certain degree of accuracy in whatever hobby application we're discussing is important. This can head off a lot of those misunderstandings at the outset. That's part of why I never make these blanket assertions about the stuff we work with. We report facts on hand, question our own ideas, and those not verified elsewhere. Uh, we refer to scientific literature when applicable and are not afraid to say we don't have a clue or I don't have a clue if we don't. As hobbyists, we can self-regulate to some extent and correct things that we're, you know, that we're doing. Um... For the greater good of the hobby. It always works out best. That goes for us vendors too. For example, I'll relay the story of how we arrived at the names of the botanical materials we worked with. I think I've talked about this before, but I'll touch on it again. You know, when we first started Tannin, it was a lot of fun to sort of create a flavor for our site and come up with all these exotic sounding names for the materials that we sourced. We made up a lot of fun Portuguese names for the botanicals. Now, why Portuguese, you ask? Because that's the primary language spoken in Brazil, where there happens to be that cool region called Amazonia that we're kind of intrigued by, and yeah, so you get the picture. It made sense at the time. It helped define us, it distinguished this stuff. It helped popularize botanicals, romanticized it a bit. But here's the thing. It was just kind of stupid. What? You heard me. Stupid. Let me digress. As I discussed before, I came from the world of reef aquariums and coral propagations, and I was a partner in one of the most widely respected coral propagation companies out there. We were immersed in this culture like you wouldn't believe, and I spent decades in that culture. Uh, you know, the expensive, overhyped, $100 per square centimeter coral frags that have, well, stupid, silly names and equally silly prices. I used to laugh at that stuff, the names, the over-romanticizing of them. It was kind of ridiculous. Yet, in an odd way, by the time I started tanning, it sort of made sense to do this very thing with botanicals to create more interest in them than initially to make them more relatable, to give context and identity no one knew what this shit was, and the idea of overwhelming skeptical hobbyists, particularly in the freshwater world, where there's a lot of smart people with unpronounceable scientific names, it seemed pretentious. It seemed kind of heavy-handed. So I went with the fun names, and it seemed to work fine. And it did, for a while. It was a great way to refer to various botanicals. In fact, I think, I think, we were actually the first to even utilize the term botanicals to describe these materials. 
I'm not 100% certain, but I don't think prior to 2015 you even heard about botanical materials used in aquariums even described as botanicals. So I think it's kind of cool that perhaps the fun names might have helped to make these things more popular, less mysterious, or just less off-putting to some. Yet at times I kind of wish that I kept it real from the start. Because not only are the actual endemic vernacular names and the actual scientific names of these botanical materials intriguing, they're more helpful when you, you know, you're the real hardcore type trying to figure out what belongs in a specific aquarium. You know, you're doing a biotope or whatever, that sort of thing. However, the fun names did serve to create that vibe and a buzz around tannin and what we, you know, do initially. And it fostered a new excitement in a hobby sector that was obscure at best and virtually non-existent at worst. So you fast forward to the late 2018, and we had a full-blown hobby movement with botanicals. People all over the world were really getting into it. And we sort of arrived at a new maturity level in the practice of utilizing botanicals and creating more natural, functionally aesthetic aquariums. All this stuff we, we talk about in ad infinitum here. And with this maturity, though, came more responsibility for us as the de facto thought leader to continue to lead in this area. And with it came responsibility to educate, inspire, and inform a responsibility to be more accurate and more authoritative. Yeah, it was time to ditch those cute names. It was getting a bit too much, even for me. Although it might be easier to promote and remember cute names, it's better in the long run to embrace the more accurate nomenclature. That botanical aquarium movement, it's bigger than any one company, more important than any one brand or person. We offer botanicals. Nature makes them. And we're a brand which stands for something. And the brand supersedes the goofy individual product names. And the botanical-style Blackwater Aquarium movement supersedes any one brand, even Tannin Aquatics. And a few other vendors are now trying to do this botanical thing now, too, which is great. What is a bit funny to me, however, is that a few of them started using the very names that we coined to describe similar materials that they are offering, even though, as I just discussed, they're essentially meaningless. And in at least one instance, someone who tried very hard to replicate what I do translated back our silly botanical names from Portuguese back to English to name his offering. So it was like a 360-degree cycle of absurdity. And I started that. I felt bad. I mean, oh, here's a hint, though. If you're going to try to rip us off, and plenty of people do, do a better freaking job. Seriously, because I'm going to come after you in ways you haven't even thought about that are gonna, you're going to keep having to work harder if you're going to try to duplicate what I'm doing. You I mean, seen what's on the drawing board. I know that sounds like an arrogant shot across the bow and probably not very holiday collegial, but we've seen enough of this stuff lately that it's kind of funny to see people almost trying to direct rip off of some of the stuff we do. And I, I don't like that. And I, I don't like cheaters in anything. I don't like arrogance. And I guess maybe I come across as arrogant sometimes, but I think I'm coming from a position of honesty and integrity and and love for what we do. I want you to succeed. If you're going to do a business on botanicals, it's great for the hobby, but do something original. Don't, don't try to copy us. Seriously. Anyway, it was inevitable, I suppose. And I realized that if I didn't step up and show some real leadership and confidence at that point, this could have turned into the world's goofiest coral frag swap all over again with out of control stupid names, absurd claims, limited edition botanicals, and all that garbage that accompanies it. And that wouldn't be helpful. I mean, here we were at Tannin with, you know, at that point, like six or 700 blogs and articles and stuff about all the most arcane aspects of the Blackwater botanical aquarium hobby, pushing and poking around the hobby in lots of crazy ways, hopefully educating and inspiring people. And then we'd call a Dragula volubilusis pod, a concapod. Cute, entertaining, but not helpful. We stepped up because it was the right thing to do for the hobby. 
Okay, okay, I'm not relaying this story to prove to you how badass we are, even though I got a little caffeinated hyped over there. I'm using it as an example of putting some of the science into the art of what we do, for the greater good, holding ourselves to higher standards. I've said it a thousand times, so I'll state it one more time, because someone inevitably comes at me at this. No one invented this stuff. We sure as hell didn't. We curated it, studied it, loved it, sourced it, shared it, but we didn't invent it. No one did. Now, I admit... I was rather fond of a lot of the names we came up with. Some of those materials simply never had a common name, so we invented ones that fit our sort of vibe. When I embarked on the process of transitioning to more accurate, appropriate names, it took a lot of research and talking to my suppliers around the world and the countries of origin to find out if there even was a common or popular name for some of these materials. And when applicable, we still use some of those common names and or we go by a genus and species name and call them blah, 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 whatever pods. And it's worked out just fine. Yet, remember how I was worried at how it was going to be a bit confusing at first? Yeah, and remarkably, it wasn't. Why? Because I think our community, that being you guys, was ready for a little bit of elevation of this stuff. You took it so easily. It was incredible. Yeah, this has been a rather tortured explanation of why I think that as much accuracy as possible is important for this movement and for this hobby. Embracing the art and the science and attempting to learn, experience, and share our hard-won knowledge is... What elevates this whole thing? So the next time you see one of those discussions where someone is getting all bent out of shape and some on some hobby topic that you know well, make the effort to understand where they might be coming from. You know, try to be a bit diplomatic if you have to engage with them and gently mediate the facts if necessary to calm them down. Don't allow this arrogantly presented incorrect information to propagate online and elsewhere in the hobby. It's, it's toxic. And yeah, I sort of regret not jumping into that one conversation. Although I think, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, my time is probably better served doing what we do here every day, doing blogs, elevating the state of the art through other ways, supporting you, consulting with people, etc., etc. But I, sometimes I guess it does make sense to jump in. But the reality is you got to be open-minded, of course. However, if you know you're right and that the facts and information that you offer are able to, you know, uh, to help people, if they're correct, they're accurate, and, and be earnest when presenting them to the hobby – Knowledge gleaned from research, experience, and success or failure is the best kind to share. That's how the art can elevate the science and vice versa. Stay curious, stay educated, stay inspired, stay original, stay humble, stay smart, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.